Ron, I was about to tell you, um, the time that I called you, that I talked to you after you got out of the hospital, yeah. it was just a few, it was just a few days after. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, how are you doing brother? And you were like, man, I'm doing good. I'm here. You know, you, you, you were getting your strength back and all that. Sure. And you, the, one of the first things you told me was I'm getting ready to release this new album, man. I'm yeah. ready to release this new album. And yeah. I was like, holy shit. How <laughs> was that? I was like, he he's already thinking about getting the new album out. Yeah, and you had just gotten home, and that makes complete sense because you're right. Uh, it's all about the hustle, man. It is honestly, I'm, and you guys can hear me okay. Everything's cool. Everything's everything's good. good. I can hear you. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. All right, uh, you know, it really what it, I've always believed in was that when I even going through everything with like COVID and. Uh, the the numerous like drug induced dreams and hallucinations I went through in that shit. Um, yeah. It was just like I was determined. It's like I I still got work to do, man. I'm not done. It's like heart still strong, brain still works. You know, had to get my legs back under me. Still working on that because uh, I'm off to Colorado in April for about ten days for a working vacation. There you go. So wow. yeah, I got a, I got this gig working with uh, the incredible Brad Good who is the director oh, yeah? of jazz studies at, uh, at, at uh, CU Boulder. Okay. So, yeah. uh, but he's that, he's the music coordinator for this conference of world affairs, which is a big think tank, a global think tank of yeah. writers, artists, uh, poets, dreamers, doers, politicians, um, politicos, you know, um, I don't know, exiles. It's, it's, it's like this huge creative gathering of people to come and all talk about the various issues of the world. And this and, is in, and this is in Colorado and what's it called? What's the event called? It's called the conference of world affairs. The conference of world affairs. Yeah. So it's, yeah. A, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a boiling pot of, yeah. of, every, yeah. of everything then. Dude, like serious, serious menudo. You dig? <laughs> Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, listen, I'm down here in like Austin now, dog. So you know, I'm I'm getting it. You know, when I can, when <laughs> I can. <laughs> yeah, baby. And that sounds like a good. That sounds like a good spot for us to to jump off. What do you think, Jess? Let's do this, man. Let's get let's get it started. All right, here we go. <laughs> And then here we go. Ready? Here come the horn. Woo! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down to Talk podcast with Jesse and George. Thank you for joining us tonight. We are happy to have you with us. And tonight I am very happy to present, and I'm sure Jesse's very happy too. Today uh, we're happy to present our guest for uh, our second episode. And uh, he is a musician and music educator extraordinaire. That's the only word that can come to mind. And all around great human being. Uh, Ron Wilkins, Mr. Ron Wilkins, Jesse. I know you're pretty excited to have Ron on the podcast as well, right? Man, when you when you called me and you told me, hey, uh, we're gonna have a, we, we could probably get Ron Wilkins 
on the show. Um, uh-huh. I don't even think about it twice, man. And and um, it's been a long time, sir. I, I'll call you sir, man, because ever since uh, back in San Antonio, UTSA. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's so it's, it's been several years already. It's been many years. Um, yeah, you know, um, I you know the name. I mean, what what you do, you know, that instrument is just amazing. And uh, when George told me, "Hey, let's let's get uh let's get Ron Wilkins in here," I'm like, "Let's do it." You know, let's do it. You know, being an educator myself, I I I learn every single day. You know, I'm I'm, I'm, you know, and um, I'm excited to have you here, sir. Yeah, Jesse Jesse uh, Jesse is a the head band director at Cigarroa Middle School at Kristen Kristen Middle School. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. At Kristen Middle School, you just got that gig, right? About two, years, gig. two years ago, yes, sir. Two years ago. Wow. All right. Nice. Kristen Middle School, and both of us, uh, both Jesse and I, are uh, UTSA alum. Well, Jesse is a UTSA alum. I went to UTSA for about two years before I was graciously academically dismissed. Uh, <laughs> I seem to remember that dismissal. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to remember stories about that. Listen, before you guys go on, uh, I, I just got to say it's great to be here. It's great to actually hang out with a couple of lost homeboys. You know, yeah, man, it's 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 good to be uh, back in Texas. Although Texas is is Texas, <laughs> it is what more it is. The, more of the strangeness that continues to go on down here under one one group saying the other should do this and that, and they don't even take care of business themselves. Uh, you know, it's, it's nothing new, but the thing is, is that to be here, to be able to make music, to be able to teach music and to be able to be a creative, you know, now more than ever, it seems even more important with the pandemic and the way it's gone. We all remember we were doing a year ago when they said, okay, everything stop." Yes. You know, and, uh, little did I know that about a, literally a month later from that, I'd be like on my, you know, fighting for my life. Um, I believe it was a, a year ago that they declared it a pandemic. I think it was today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They declared it a pandemic all over the world. So Wow. Wow. Okay, I'll see you guys next year for our annual tribute. <laughs> right? Yeah. But this but next time I have Mescal. There, there you go. go. So I'll we'll we'll do that to tighten up a little bit. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, yeah, man, it's it's great to be here, guys. Thank you for having me. What an honor. What an honor. I mean it's like uh, going back just to the UTSA days when I used to teach there, that's when I felt like I actually got some legitimacy on my teaching cred. I taught at other universities before that, like St. Mary's, you know, which gave me a, a start to understanding about college teaching. And then from there to uh, University Incarnate Word, Texas Lutheran University, um, you know, and, and, you know, made my way to UTSA. Wow, there's a rhyme. There you go. So it was, just, it was cool. And, it was cool. And just, to, and just to clarify for the listeners, UTSA is the University of Texas in San Antonio, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Texas school. And go runners. The, there we go. Go runners. That's it, baby. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a powerhouse university uh, for all fields, but also for music education. Uh, am yeah. I correct? Yeah, it's a big time music ed school. It really is. They've got excellent ensembles and, and fantastic teachers there. I mean, I was proud and still am to have been a part of that university and, uh, you know, working in academia with my colleagues 
and being able to influence young young people, you know, right? Into yeah, not only roles as teachers, but eventually mentors themselves. Back in oh three, oh four, oh five, oh six, around there, yeah. um, I remember, uh, you know, Dr. Morgan King, rest in peace. Uh, uh, my bestie. Yeah, man. Uh, I miss him so. You know, Dr. Rustowitz being there. You know, <laughs> you know it, it was. A, I got some. I got some Dr. Bob stories. One of which he'd probably have to like send like hitmen after me. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I got. I got some Dr. Bob stories. But he was. He was great to hang with. He was an incredible. Incredible conductor, right? He, he was. Yeah. He was. He was something else. Yes. Yeah, man. Not to mention a former Navy band musician played oboe wow. in the Navy band. Wow. Right. So yeah, we he and I have discussed that having beers after all you cats took off because I was there to, you know, do the grad degree or at least uh, finishing the undergrad while I was still in the Air Force band. And he didn't he go to he attended uh, the Conservatory of Cleveland. Yes, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember him talking about it all the time. He would conduct the band, the Wind Ensemble. When I was there, I was playing bass trombone in the Wind Ensemble. As you should be. Yeah, yeah, and and. <laughs> Uh, and I have a couple wow. of great memories. Uh, I have a couple of great memories from that. One, one was uh, uh, we were playing Carmina Burana. Uh huh. Wow. And and since I was playing the since I was playing the bass trombone part, uh, I remember you know that's a great bass trombone part, right? For, every, oh, yeah. for any bass trombone player, is that part on Car- Carmina Burana? Oh yeah. And so I remember Dr. Bob up on the podium, and he would be conducting, and he would be conducting. Da, 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 da. You would point to me all the time. I'd have to play the ball, and I think it was like a yeah. B flat pedal or a yeah. D flat pedal, something yeah. like that. And and uh, I kid you not, that goes on for it for any of you that have played that that piece before. It goes on for like five minutes or something, <laughs> which means and, you're lightheaded as shit by the time you're done. Well, <laughs> well, I I actually almost passed out. I remember <laughs> I remember uh, halfway through the piece, I lost all of my vision. <laughs> Holy was, shit! Oh, and so I had to put my head in between my legs and breathe. And Doctor <laughs> Bob was screaming over there, like George, hey! <laughs> you know, I know. The thing I enjoyed about him because I actually did my—I finished my undergrad uh, at UTSA, uh, right. class of '92. Okay. So um, when I was there, I was actually using this program in the Air Force called Bootstrap, which allowed a guy to go ahead and if he was close enough to finishing his degree within 30 hours or so, uh, you could go ahead and go to school for a full year and on the Air Force's dime. So Uncle Sam paid for that part of, as well as then later, uh, my master's degree at Texas State. So I actually played in with Dr. Bob and the Wind Ensemble and one of the hippest things. If you guys remember Jim Ballantyne, Dr. Ballantyne. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite teachers. Yeah, yeah he was one of my favorite teachers, man. The Zen, the Zen guru of jazz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was one of the craziest cats. When I was there, he actually had he was running the jazz combos. So yeah. he's got me and we went to Wichita and played Wichita Jazz Festival with our combo and just swept everything. You know, wow. and I don't like going because he's writing the charts for us as well. I'm, I'm still trying to find this one, and I don't know if he even has a copy of it. He said he just wrote it and forgot about it because he's so prolific. But he wrote this thing called the San Antonio Cumbia. And it nice. was like this hip, tight little jazz cumbia that he wrote, but it had some it had some Columbia in it, right? Yeah, the yeah, groove yeah, was yeah. on it. We had a great rhythm section for this, and the band smoked. 
we came out and played at the combo session the first thing and everybody's like oh wow this is san antonio are you kidding me it's like motherfuckers bam here we are and he was a he was a clarinet clarinet player am i right oboe dr valentine oboe valentine sax sax clarinet sax clarinet i remember that and his wife cindy is a french hornist wow yeah Wow. And she and I actually would play on times when she would sub over with the Mid-Texas Symphony when I was a member in them. Because I was playing with Mid-Texas from like the, uh, let's see, um, early 2000s. I played with them for probably about six, seven years. Okay. And pretty much went from bass trombone through tenor trombone and covered, you know, at least some 30-odd symphonies within the span of about six or seven seasons, playing everything from principal down. And the, the year I got in, uh, my mentor, who recently passed away, Peter Klein, uh, who used to teach at San Antonio College, um, he was uh, he was my first professor when I didn't went there. I didn't go straight off to like North Texas. Uh, went to SAC, so yeah. he he was a part of this thing for me. I mean, it's just I'm, I mean this this incredible legacy of cats that that we grew up with now. You know, that well, we can look and, back. And- and you know, San Antonio um, has 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 a long a long history of great musicians. Oh yeah! Uh, oh my gosh! It, it, uh, I, actually, a few nights ago, I was doing a little bit of research. I mean, I, I remember back when I was in college uh, in Boston, um, I had to do a little bit of research on Jack Teagarden, yeah. and uh, but I mean, but. It had been years, years since I had even thought about Jack Teagarden. And just a few nights ago, I looked him up again, and I mm. learned that he uh, he actually lived and worked in San Antonio. Yeah. I believe it was in the 20s. Yeah. And yeah. that's where kind of like where he got started, and that was before he uh, linked up with uh, Satchmo yeah. and started doing the touring with him. And, and, uh, and became and a I superstar. Was, and became and then became, and became a, superstar. a superstar because of pops. I mean, pretty much the first uh, a super a superstar in the fact that the first uh, influential jazz trombonist. Is that correct? Well, you know, uh, yeah, I could you could say that because he actually got more of the national and international exposure than just about any other trombonist of the day. Right. Because he's touring with with Louis Armstrong. You know? Right. And uh, and uh, to be able to not only tour like that and hold his own not only on trombone but then as a singer too yeah now here's a little sidebar for you on this one george in particular and jesse you too um i used to play at jim cullum's landing i was i got out of the air force band around 1993 and between 93 and 2000 doing uh just teaching and those of you that don't know those of you that don't know that jim cullum's landing that was down at the san antonio riverwalk uh yeah the san antonio riverwalk you know the famous spot a uh, real, real iconic place. Uh, yeah. You know, you're looking for some jazz. That was the place. That was, man. And as Jim Cullen, you know, God rest his soul, he just passed away last year, too. Wow. Oh, is that uh, right? Yeah, oh, he did. He did. Uh, but I remember as a kid seeing him with a, with a younger version of the band, uh, or as a young man in the band, and the band actually belonged to his father. Yeah. Okay. Papa Cullen, who was a clarinetist. And then from there, I mean, and Papa Cullum knew Louis Armstrong. So when Louis Armstrong came to Texas, the story is, is that 
he ran right by the like the president and the mayor and everybody who was there to see him. He went straight over to the Cullum Band and said, "Hey, Cats, yeah. what's up? How you doing?" <laughs> Needless to say, turned around and you know, everybody got a big laugh out of it. Although, you know, it's like the brother went through a lot of shit, but he could play it. He could really play it, and not just the horn, but his personality, his overall just demeanor. But yeah, man, I was there working at Jim Cullum's Landing and um, playing with those cats. And one night in particular, there's a little little stir going on in the place there. And I'm talking with uh, my dear friends who I was working with a lot of the times there. Uh, Small World was the name of the group. It was Kyle Keener, drummer. And, oh, uh, I remember just, this. He just passed away. He just passed away like about a little over a year ago. And uh, Polly Harris, right. guitarist. Was, was Al Gomez in that band? Al played with them a lot. Yeah, the trumpet player. Al yeah, Gomez yeah. But yeah. Al played. Al played with everybody. Yeah, <laughs> including Little Joe. Yeah, well, <laughs> including Little Joe. That's Al. that's how I know Al. That's how I know Al. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. I know him. I know him because I started playing. I I started playing with Bob Guy Bob Gallarza, who ah. was a who was a Tejano producer and guitarist, and he would put like these all star bands together and have all these famous vocalists come and play together. And and Rene Garcia got me in as one of the trombone players. You know, I know Rene. I've been a while. I've heard that name. Yeah, yeah, one day, me too. One day Rene, man. <laughs> one day Rene. <laughs> one day Rene. So so yeah. for 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 those of you uh, who don't or who are not acquainted with uh, Rene Garcia, he's a uh, renowned <laughs> Tejano trombonist from San Antonio, Texas, and he. He's just a he's just a crazy guy. He's a wild man. He's a wild man. He's a wild man. And, we hung and, a, we hung a couple of times and we were talking at one point about jazz because he was talking about man. It's like you do this all this stuff. I'm trying to figure this out. I said, man, you. I said, you're the king. You're El Rey on this hit. You know, I'm just here following you. And he's like yeah. going no. So we had this we had this mutual respect thing going. And every time we actually got a chance to hang out and such, it was so much fun. But. I couldn't hang with him after 3 a.m. <laughs> after 3 a.m., it was like it's a whole nother level. There's a different di- different back door. I did not want to go in it at that time. Yeah, yeah. And but, he, uh, he's, got, he's got like the, the biggest heart. but uh, He's an incredible but, guy, man. But he's, uh, yeah, and he got me in. He got me into that whole scene when I was just a freshman at UTSA. I was uh, about 18 years old. Yeah. And uh, and so when Bob Gallarza would come to San Antonio to play, uh he actually here here's a funny side story the the way uh, we have so many funny side stories (laughs) (laughs) here's a funny side story i i i'm in i'm a senior (laughs) i'm a senior in high school in laredo at alexander high school and at the vmt yeah and uh and i hear that bob gallarza is playing at the casablanca ballroom i remember this i I remember going i was there with you i remember going to this yeah it's wow. a big dance hall, a big dance hall in, in South Laredo. And they mm-hmm. would have a lot of uh, Tejano dances on the weekends. So I heard that Bob Gallarza was coming into town to play. So I went to go hear them. And uh, and Rene Garcia was backstage before the show. And I saw him with his trombone. So I went up to him and I introduced myself and I told him, I'm a trombone player. I'm a high school student in one of the high schools here. And I just wanted to introduce myself because, you know, I, I, I love you guys. And he was like, oh, what do you play? And I said, bass trombone. And he said, where's your horn? I remember that. I <laughs> I was right next to you. And I remember hearing him say that. And, yeah. and I'm like, did he just say, where's your horn? 
I go, didn't yeah. you have it in the van? <laughs> Remember the, the truck, the, the, that truck that we, the, the Dodge Ram used to have? That, yeah. that, that blue one? I remember oh, wow. that. I remember that. Yeah, he, he asked me, where's your horn? And I said, well, it's at my house. I, I didn't bring my horn. And he yeah. said, well, go, go, go home and get it, and you can sit in. And I said, oh, shit. I, I mean, I, I don't know this wow. guy. This guy doesn't know me. So I said, okay. And I got in my, my dad's truck, and I, and I drove home. It was like a, maybe a 15-minute drive. I got my horn. I came back. And uh, during the break, after the first set, he found me, and he said, did, did you get your horn? I said, I have it. He's like, all right, come on stage. And so I, I, I go wow. on stage and he goes up to Bob, which he's a guitar player. And yeah. He's the leader of the band. It's his band. And he tells Bob, hey, Bob, this is George Sines. He's a high school student that plays trombone. He's going to sit in. And Bob, and no, he asks him, can he sit in? And Bob looks at me and he says, can you read? And I said, <laughs> yeah, I can read. And he's like, and he's like, and he looks at Renee and he's like, I, and then Renee tells him, don't worry. If you don't like it, you don't have to pay me. He said, if you don't like the way he plays, you don't have to pay me. And I was like, what? Wow. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I couldn't believe he said that. We all know we all know he was gonna get paid. We all know Renee was gonna get paid, man. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's and, there was and, no way Renee was not going to get there's paid. There's no way. And so that's how I met, met Renee. And then when I moved to San Antonio, my freshman year of college, I called them and let them know that I was in town. And that's when I started playing with all the cats from San Antonio. And, and I met Al cool. Gomez. And, wow. uh, yeah. and at, at, at that time, uh, Al Gomez was, for me, it was like one of the, the best trumpet players I had ever heard. Oh, yeah. Al, Al's yeah. prodigy. Al's, an, <laughs> Al's a serious, he's a serious, serious cat. He's a prodigy. I mean, it's like literally to go from, I mean, because he and I both came up in the 70s. So we would be occasionally playing on the same, like, uh, uh, the same big bands working in and around San Antonio back in the 80s and then the 90s. And at one point, we actually played the Tejano Music Awards based in San Antonio back in around 20, I want to say, what, 2009, maybe? Right. With uh, Donald Garza? Yeah. 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 And I'm in the horn section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of the first ones that they did uh, there in San Antonio, and it was it was it was star studded. You know, I'm me. You know, me myself. I'm not not as knowledgeable on so many Tejano artists and such. But you know, if if uh, if Willie Colon or Ruben Blades show up, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 cool on that end. I mean, there's there's a ton of great artists. I know about Little Joe, and I, and I know about the, his yeah. legend. I know about his music. I've actually done work and gigs at times with Patsy Torres. Yeah, and, Patsy. Um, yeah. 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 Remember Patsy? She's, yeah, still, she's, she's still here. She's still working. Yeah. She's good friends with uh, Ram Herrera, my old boss. And, yeah. and they play a lot. They record a lot together, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and she's they a sound, great vocalist. She's fantastic. Hey, so she's Ron, to, 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 I, I, I heard you mention that you're back in Texas. You're back yeah. in Austin. Um what, what, what uh, were you doing before? What, what, what was going on? I'd been living in New York City. All right. I moved there in twenty. I moved there in twenty twelve. I actually finished uh, finished my time at UTSA by the spring of twenty twelve. But by literally that January, I got an offer for playing when I was playing the show Wicked. Wow. Um, Broadway. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I accepted the offer. I mean, it was it was time to go. I've been talking about moving. I've been talking about going back to New York. 
I mean, I had, I'd been up there for a little while back in the early eighties after I got off the Clark Terry, big, I was big band, uh, but ended up coming back to San Antonio to take care of them and help my family. And, uh, from there it was just, you know, school. Um, let's see, uh, love, uh, marriage, uh, the air force band, and then uh, from there, uh, continuing the degree and all the time, I, I've, I've been so blessed and so very, 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 very fortunate to have been able to make a living, you know, with music, it, it, you know, and, and so many different settings. Uh, and then from there, you know, to get the call to finally go to New York and to finally go and play with the cats. And, you know, I was already I was already friends, pretty good friends, actually, with Wycliffe Gordon. So I called him up. And let him know I was coming to New York. So he's like, "Yeah, man, meet me over at the meet me over at the Blue Note." So I go over to the Blue Note, and they're doing the Jazz Journalists uh, Awards, and Wycliffe's getting the award for best jazz trombonist, and yet he wants to introduce <laughs> me around. And I'm like, "Brother, what what are you doing?" I, you know, you know, I'm I'm hoping to be able to stay at this point right now. It's like, you know, I know I know a lot all the cats in the room. Like the first cat I go in and I see is Joe Lovano. Wow. Yeah. You know, and then and then from there it's uh it's uh Albert Tootie Heath, you know, over in the corner here it's Roy Haynes. Over here on this side it's it's Lou Donaldson. Uh over here at one point it's Jimmy Heath, you know. And and, and it's like all these these who's who of <laughs> great cast, old, new, uh and and in between. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, it, it's like you walk in, you know. First time you walk into the, uh, you're hanging out not at the Oscars, but you're hanging out over here at the club where they host the gala for the all the cats who win, and that's where yeah. I walked into. Wow, that's what it, that's what it felt like. And to, to all the to all the listeners, uh, we have you know Mr. Ron Wilkins here. He's, uh, I mean, known for his amazing playing, uh, virtuosity. I mean, I can say that. I, I, and singing and singing and, singing. and that trombone I, I whenever you hear it play you know you hear you get on spotify look him up get on youtube look him up i mean there's so much that you can listen yeah. to he makes that trombone sing um it's i appreciate that yeah, man some of the smooth jesse sounds. you're making me blush no man I, I, i'm very serious i mean there's a lot of blush, a, a lot of band directors down here that could say you know what i don't know ron wilkins personally but I know I, I've heard of him. I, I know who he is, man. I've heard him play. You know, I heard him play. And um, for this, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, for me, you know, showing, you know, being a teacher, being an educator, being in front of students, and and telling them, hey, man, we don't have you don't have to go too far. There's a lot of great musicians in this state. And I have to say, man, I, I think you're one of the it's, top. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think you're up there with them too. You're up there with them too, man. You're up there with them too. And, Thank you. And um, you know, it's it's uh it's been a, I know for everybody, I, you know, it's been a crazy year this year. But, um, you know, I know yeah. I know Ron, I know you went through this whole uh, COVID issue. I know you mentioned that at the beginning, and and we started the conversation. I did. Today. Um, and I know it was a hard, yeah. you know, situation. I mean, obviously everybody's going through it, and and a lot of people aren't. But you actually went through it, right? You actually I mean, at a very early stage. At wow. a very early stage of it for the country, because the thing was, I came down from New York. I've been up there living for since 2012, um, and um, 
was working my way in. I had been subbing on Broadway shows. I started subbing on on Wicked literally about two weeks after I got there. And when I walked in, everybody's looking at me up and down and such. And the rule of thumb is you go into a Broadway pit. You don't say squat. You talk to only when you when you speak, when you're spoken to, blah, blah, blah. You're the new guy, this and that. They're talking to me like I'm like, okay, I get it. Man, no worries. So I go in and I play this show. And I finish on the break. And everybody's looking over the pit and they're just smiling. And the conductor at the time, who was the associate conductor, not the assistant, because both the assistant and the head conductor were out. The associate comes up to me and says, I've never heard anybody play the show flawlessly the first time. I said, <laughs> I said, thank you, maestro. It's not my first time. <laughs> yeah, and everybody just you? went, yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. after, that, was like, after that, I was like, okay, I'm in. So I've done, I've done that with Wicked. But see, before I went to New York and, and all that stuff, uh, I'll tell you what, let me address the COVID thing first, because this is this is probably more important than anything else I could bring up. Yeah. So I left New York to come down to, to Austin to play the show Aladdin. And the thing was, was that, you know, at the time, things were just starting to blow up up around New York because we just heard about this up in New Rochelle. George, you remember when we first heard about this up there, right? Yeah, that was said, the first uh, the, the first case in the United States. Yeah. No, actually, not the not in the United States. No? The first one was actually at a, it was, what was this, the nursing home. Where was that? Up in Washington State. That's right. Oh, in Washington State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That was That's the first right. one. But that was yeah. the first case that showed up in the, in, in, around here, up in the Northeast. In New York. In, yeah. in New Rochelle. And yeah. uh, because uh, this, this lawyer ended up getting it because his kids came back from like some, from some European trip and, mm -hmm. uh, Apparently, you know, no one really knew what the f hell was going on with this shit. So I come down, moving forward and backwards at the same time. I come down. I'm here in early March. I'm in for, in for two weeks to play Aladdin. I'd already sat in on the show with the guys up in New York, so I pretty much knew what to expect. Because, But the road book is so different from the books in the orchestra in the pit in New York because the pit has the full ensemble of cats. Right. It's a full orchestra pit. Right. So I'm in a pit checking out this show being played by four woodwinds, uh, one trumpet, two horns, uh, tenor and bass trombone. And the bass trombone is also doubling on, on uh, tuba. Wow. You know, and, 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 then, yeah. and then rhythm and then rhythm section. Let's not even talk about the rhythm section and the keyboards <laughs> and, and everything else, you know, yeah. and strings and strings. Uh, when I was in Frozen, they actually had a string ensemble, uh, the string orchestra there in the pit that numbered probably about 10 players. And for a Broadway pit, that's, that's kind of big nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, who knows what it'll be like later. Uh, so anyway, I'm here. I'm going to be playing Aladdin. I already hung out with the guys there. I'm already getting the rep going. I had been working and started work on the new album. And then um, the second day in after rehearsal, um, we start hearing the buzz about what, what Broadway might be doing. Uh, so we go in, we do the morning rehearsal, sound check, everything. We run through the stuff. That evening we play the show. And I'm like 95% on it because uh -huh. I, I hear all this stuff. I already know what's happening with the show. I already know the book. I studied it like two and a half weeks in advance and was reading through it and checking out soundtracks. So, and the conductor comes up and he's like, even when the rehearsal, comes up to me and he's like, uh, these guys told me that you were coming into town. And I'm like, going good. I hope he's better than the last guy we had. <laughs> and he's like, he comes up to me and tells me that. 
And he said, I, I wasn't sure because of what we had just been through, but he's like, we're going to have a great time. Thank you very much for being a part of this. And I said, no, baby, thank you. Cause Im making bank. What's up? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you never had a friend like me. <laughs> and, uh, so we're, we're going to have a good time. And then that next day we have a matinee and they came in and they said, this is it. That's all. So we end up getting like a little severance uh, for the show because of this extenuating circumstances, extenuating circumstances, you know, and, um, but, you know, not compared to what I would have made in two weeks. Plus the show then was going to San Antonio and I was already working an angle to see if I could maybe sit in on that show. Yeah. The thing is, is that when I go in and I play a show, I, I, I leave, the, I leave a mark. Right. Good, bad, or ugly. Everybody does. But mine's always been like just upper ratings just because I love doing that stuff. It's great, man. To be able to read, sight read, different keys, rhythms, styles, on a small tenor, large tenor, bass, alto trombone, tuba, euphonium, uh, you know. Okay, need me to play a little keyboard over here like this or give me some keyboard bass pedals while yeah. I'm over here laying down this bass line? Okay, sure. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when that happened, I checked in with my friends up in New York, in particular with, uh, with our friend Becca Patterson up there, who's my bestie, and uh, basically said, you know what? That shit's going to be blowing up up there. I'm just going to stay down here, you know, and stay safe. I said, if it gets too stupid, you need to fly down because he's also got family out in Houston as well. I said, didn't fly down and at least, you know, be away from that. And we'll see how this actually works out. We had no idea wow. how bad this was going to get. And then by early April, all of a sudden, you know, it's long, It's no longer a tickle in the throat or feeling tired or listless. It's like my I'm staying at my mom's place. My older brother comes in, checking on me. I'm passed out and they can't wake me up. So they have to call an ambulance. They rush me to the hospital and then send me over to the Northeast Baptist Hospital where they put me in the COVID unit and basically intubated me. I was actually the first two days from what I was told, I was doing okay. And then by day three, everything just went, you know. So uh, so, so basically so you, had, you, had, you had the symptoms for, for well, I the thing was, was that I didn't lose my sense of taste. I kind of had issues with a sense of smell, but also at the time too, I was, you know, anytime you come back to Texas when you've been away for a while, oh, yeah. the pollen kicks your ass. Oh, yeah, man. Especially up here. Horrible. It happens to me all the time. All the time, like, especially if I go to San Antonio. Oh, man. Well, listen, up in Austin, I'm, I'm even closer to the hill country. So I can't wait for an oak pollen. But at the time, oak pollen was like stupid high. And I was like, I figured it was the oak pollen. Right. Uh, next thing you know, I wake up and I've got, you know, my friends there. I'm wrong with a bunch of nurses and doctors. I, they had to take the tube out. But I didn't realize I had been out in a coma for 32 days. Wow. 32 days. And, uh, 32 days and 37 days on a ventilator. I had a trach tube, you know, couldn't talk. Um you know, uh, lost probably about almost 40 pounds of body weight. Of, and, uh, you know, I, I was pretty much an invalid. I was a baby all over again. Um, but, uh, you know, I knew that I was back and I had people who loved me and cared about me. And Becca was probably the shining star of the whole bunch because she was right there pulling for me. Got uh, help with another friend of mine, a former student. I'm so blessed to have so many stu great students. Thank you, George. 
<laughs> thank you, George. Yeah. You too, Jesse. But thank you, guys. But uh, uh, the thing was, was that um, they put together a fundraiser. They made a lot of money on my behalf, which has been helping a lot with dealing with bills and, you know, just being able to get a, a, a decent spot to land and a place to stay. And then it worked out after literally 70 days in the hospital. Because after I got out from the, the hospital, they sent me over uh, from Northeast Baptist to the PAM Specialty Hospital in New Braunfels. That was where I started my rehab for about six and a half weeks. Then from there, it was about another week, or actually about six days, over at the um, Warm Springs Rehab Hospital up here in Kyle. And by that time, I was with some friends of mine and Becker was staying over with who were living up in North Austin and uh, said, man, just come here. Just come here. Stay here. We can we can get your stuff moved down. We can do all this and that. Just stay here. You 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 need to stay here. So um, I stayed there for about I got out of the hospital by about I went in in early March. I got out by about mid-June after everything and then just started, you know, doing occupational and physical therapy for about another six weeks going from North Austin to Kyle. Uh, moved into the condo here now. Um, been here since early August. And uh, and it just worked out that, you know, when I got out of the hospital by around mid-July, uh, the secretary of the music department, the School of Music at Texas State University, Kristen Jensen, who was also doing her undergrad study when I was there back in 07 and 08, finishing my master's degree sends me a message and says, man, hope you're feeling good. Hope things are well. Listen, I think we have a trombone opening for a teacher here. Would you like to teach? And I'm like, oh, this is just weird. <laughs> this is weird because this was the one place. I got to tell you, UTSA, I got some great memories from it, and I worked really hard there, and we made some really great impact with students. Uh, when I got there in 05, George came along like, right like soon afterwards, that he was like one of about two or three trombones in my studio. When I left, we had over thirty trombones in the studio. No, well, I was there. I was there in two thousand one. Ah, but yeah. I, but I, but, but I studied the, uh, with you. But I studied with you privately. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, you're still in college, as far as I was concerned. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. See, there you go. All right. Yeah, whippersnapper. Uh, you to... So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah got some, I, learned, I, I learned some good lessons back then from you. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if nothing else, that Arbin book kicks everybody's ass at one point or another. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, man. So, I mean, it's, it's to me, it was just um, when I got out of the hospital and then I got the teaching job again, it gave me the means and focus to go ahead and start doing the things that I need to do, which is like, okay, I'm out of the hospital. I've been doing my rehab and stuff, finished that up around uh, mid-October. And then since then, I've just getting my body, my head, my heart back in shape again, went through some therapy for about six weeks just to get things clear with, mm -hmm. a, with a, a, a consummate therapist. The, the beautiful thing about my end of it was that um, I've been, uh, as a veteran, I was able to go ahead once I got out and still have the veterans privileges to be able to uh, use the military hospital system. So I would get a lot of care and treatment through the VA hospital. I went through that when I had liver problems and then uh, later on afterwards, a transplant. And then uh, after this whole COVID thing, um, you know, the doctors, nurses, they, they work their butts off. The red tape is obscene. 
But the, the people who are there who are either vets or civilians who care about the nation's military and want to do the best to help them because they, in turn, you know, signed in, signed in, right. gave their lives to, to make a difference, to serve, to protect, to defend. And, um, yeah, I came from a military family myself. My dad was Army. Uh, uh, oldest half-brother was Navy. Older brother um, was Army. Army band, in fact, saxophone. Uh, I was Air Force. My younger brother went Coast Guard. And then the youngest brother, uh, adopted cousin, um, was Marines. Wow. The whole so, family. Yeah, so, yeah we, we, we cover all the spectrum. And, yeah. and Ron, you're, you're originally from San Antonio, correct? Not originally, but yeah, I am. I'm from San oh, okay. Antonio. Uh, I was born overseas. I was born in Germany. Oh, but my family came back to settle in San Antonio. We settled in for about a, about a year or so, and then we had a quick stint up to uh, New Jersey, to Fort Dix, Is and then right? back to San Antonio. And um, ah, I got to okay. I got to find out about my father's side of the family because they were all around Northeast from North uh, North Carolina up, and okay. some in Chicago, and then some out in in uh, in Cali. And you uh, have an aunt, uh, an aunt that lives in Harlem, right? Yeah, she's, a, she's still there. Well, now it's the Heights. Yeah. The Heights. It, it's the right. Heights now, you know. I mean, the Heights yeah. took over. Yeah. But it, it, it's still Harlem. She's over off of uh, 157th. Oh, okay. Yeah. West 157th. And uh, she's she's still going. She's like 88 years old. She's been in the same place since 1963. I That's need to right. give her a call and see how she's doing. I because remember she's when always you she's always keeping up, man. Say again. When when you first got to New York, you were spending a lot of time over at her place. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. No, she's uh, wow. No, she's uh, she's been like one of my biggest fans and uh, greatest advocates because yeah. she saw it ever since when I was a kid. Um, the focus that I had towards uh, music, right. And uh, she she was one of I'm along with my father's uncles, uh, you know. On my mom's side of the family, I had I had some uncles as well who were musical. Uh, one who still plays harmonica. I don't think he does it anymore though. He's also around like by eighty three now. But yeah. uh, my uncle Fritz, yeah, yeah. uncle Fritz. harmonica singer. Uh, but you know, my uncles on my father's side, like my uncle Albert, uh, in particular, they were big jazz heads. So they're talking to me about you know you're a jazz trombone player, man. You, you really want to do this stuff? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be the best that ever was. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 13 years old, head head all up my ass, no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. But you know, I I love doing it. Uh, so, start. yeah, yeah, you know, it's honestly, um, it has served me well. Music so, has music has served me very very well, but I've had to learn a lot of lessons in the process. Yeah. It definitely seems so. I I have I have a couple questions for you. Before we, before we end uh, this this podcast, wow! Cool. One 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 question I have is, uh, what is one of your most memorable performances? If if you okay, let's see. Let, top top <laughs> three, because I know it's hard. I know it's really hard to pick memorable performances. I know it's hard. I'm thinking about the gig I played over in Nuevo Laredo, and all of a sudden the, the father of the bride stands up and says, You can't marry my little girl, pulls out a 45, bam, bam, bam. The whole place goes. This is that was a memorable gig. This is a Nuevo Laredo. See? 
Okay. Okay. So that's number one. Now that's you have number three. one. <laughs> there are three, three, I, three most memorable performances. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad and proud to know that the Nuevo Laredo one was the first one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that, threw was, me, that threw me to left field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, Didn't the things you learn, man. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, uh, I don't, I, I don't know if I can just limit it to three. It's so hard. Um, or, 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 or anything that comes to mind. Anything okay, one of, one of the most memorable ones in recent memory for me was about three years ago playing the 90th birthday celebration of Master Jimmy Heath with the Jimmy Heath Big Band and the members of the Dizzy Gillespie All Star Big Band, along with guest artists and luminaries like John Faddis. Um, Let's see, George Cables, Rufus Reed, Slide Hampton. Um, Sonny Rollins came and made an appearance and just to talk about how important it was knowing and being a part of the life with Jimmy Heath. Just to hear that, I, just, I'm sure it was worth it. Just to hear that. Yeah, and I'm in this all-star big band with cats like Luis Bonilla and uh, Michael Mossman, uh, Frank Green, you know, Mike Lee, uh, Antonio Hart, you know. Um, oh my gosh. Was that at, was that at Dizzy's? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was over at, uh, that was definitely at JALC and that was a big night. It's it's amazing to, to, to hear all these musicians and all these greats and, you know, and and I'm going to add to, I'm going to add another question here because I'm I'm very curious because as a musician, we, we, we listen to all this music and we listen to, we, we, we listen to a lot of artists and a different styles of music and different, you know, instrumentalists. And there's always that one that we can't really, actually, we actually can't really say we look up to one all the time. But if I were to ask you right now, you know, which I am going to ask you is what, who is that one? I mean, Ooh. artist, musician that really, really has, and you could go back and say, you know what? I've been inspired, or maybe it's not even a musician. Maybe it, it could be something. I'm going to go. I'm going to go sequentially. Okay. Okay. Uh, it started. It started off. Um, it wasn't so much as a kid. I remember as a kid listening to my dad's record collection with cats on it, like uh, Jimmy Smith and Gene Ammons, you know, mm-hmm. some some bassy and such. But that didn't really influence and hit me as much. Um, the thing was, was that. Um, with all of the, I'm trying to put this into words here real quick. Um, in high school, I think that's when I really started paying attention and listening. So I remember at that particular point, it was Maynard Ferguson. Maynard. Maynard, absolutely. Higher, faster, louder, baby. Yeah. And then my band director caught Power me doing house. something stupid. Yeah, and my band director caught me doing something stupid and made me sit down and 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 straighten me out and said, I can I'm gonna help you because you've got too much talent. You can't go this way. So here's a Bill Watcher's record. Listen to this guy, see if we can figure him out. <laughs> that 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 fucked me up for years. <laughs> it wow. really did. But it, it just he good yeah, old Bill. Good old Bill. Yeah. God rest his soul. <laughs> yeah. So um, then from there, you know, uh, in college, especially at North Texas, you know, before that North Texas stuff, I mean, I was listening to bands like Chicago and James Brown and uh, his his backup bands. Um, I'd be listening to uh, Tower of Power, 
you know, Tower power. blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. You know, and uh, I'd actually be transcribing some of the horn lines and put them in some of the bands that I was working with when I was a kid growing up. Uh, but when I got to North Texas and I got into the whole real immersed in jazz, because that's what I wanted to do, jazz studies. That to me seemed like the most hip and creative um, form of study and uh, curriculum that I had ever heard of. I never knew that you could actually major in jazz. And then I found out what all it took. And it wasn't just about the history of it, but it's also about theory. It's also about composition. It's also about arranging. It's also about transcription. It's also about knowing your instrument and not just knowing it in the sense of the standard classical repertoire or standard warm-ups and long tones and flexibility and such, but knowing your instrument in a way that you could actually understand and do interpretation at times, or for me to interpret players like J.J. Johnson, players like Slide Hampton, players like Curtis Fuller. And in the process, refine my chops and facility. I, I studied and transcribed Frank Rosalino, um, Carl Fontana, um, you know, uh, George Roberts at one point I came to really appreciate. Um, but then also on the other side of that, on the outside, just hanging with the jazz cats more so, uh, John Coltrane was huge for me. Yeah. John Coltrane oh, was yeah. huge. John Omni Coltrane Darwin. for me changed my yeah my view. And I mean, on it was jazz. just like you know, it's like you know, I can't tell you how many years I shut it and and was ever frightened to haul giant steps at a session, and then someone called. It's like oh, I play <laughs> and I'm like going, what the hell am I gonna play? <laughs> There's no notes left. I'm just going, okay, next. Wow. And I know George is appreciating this dilemma. George, you know, <laughs> you know, buddy, you've been in, you've been in sessions, you know, sometimes somebody calls like Cherokee. Yeah. You know, just the, just hours. a couple, about an hour, two hours ago, I was looking up some stuff on YouTube and I saw your recording that you did with uh, Donna Lee. Oh jeez! Oh my God! You were yeah. going what? Four twenty BPM. Four forty. Four forty. Four forty. That's the fastest I could go, Man. and it sounds like this. And I had people going, "Oh, what is this? I, I slowed it down. You sound like shit." It's like I don't care. I just had some buddies of mine saying, "Hey, I wonder, what if you could do that on trombone?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Could I?" And it actually came out okay. So I did that. I, I played the head and I took a chorus on it. <laughs> and then put the horn down because it's like steam coming off. Of it or and, 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 and the cool thing about it, I, I thought it was kind of funny in a way. You were like, are we going to take it half note equals 220? And I'm like, what? And then you hear, yeah. I, mean, going, yeah. I mean, so yeah. fast. It's, it's it's ridiculous. And the crazy thing is, is that I put that up on my YouTube channel and to this day, it still has the most hits. Yes. Yes. I, saw, I noticed that. I noticed it's, that. It's, it's insane. Because all well, of a sudden I mean, it was like. It's not, it's not easy to do that. Yeah. True. True. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I mean, the way I the way I saw it was that it was a challenge that I was willing to take and I did it for fun. And some people actually try to troll me on it, like, oh, you can't play that good. Or you always play higher and you should be playing lower. You should be lower and playing high. It's like, you're just a troll. Shut up. <laughs> I watch too much South Park for this shit. All right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, and, I'm good. 
with that, uh, hold on one sec. Are we back? Okay. All right. So, uh, ta-da! Ta-da! all right, we're back. Uh, yes. So, uh, run. Yes. Please, please uh, continue. Okay. Well, you know, from what Jesse and I were talking about before, we were so rudely interrupted by the host leaving to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We were talking about the, the like the influences as well, you know, because I've I've been listening. It's all these cats that I've been listening to when I'm doing the John Coltrane thing. That also introduced me more to about checking out Freddie Hubbard and listening to him and studying him. I loved listening to Freddie in the '70s, but didn't really pay as much attention to him as I did with the CTI stuff that he had from the early '70s, mid '70s, when I was into my '80s period over there at North Texas. So for me, it was just getting caught up on hearing what great jazz sounded like then after that it was just you know all along the way uh continually being influenced you know through the military band days uh a lot of listening to not only like the top military bands of the day of like the jazz ambassadors uh the u.s army blues of course the u.s airmen of note uh but also then listening to a lot of big band but really going deep into big band study uh for me, it's like Thad Jones and Mel Lewis. No, my favorite. That's a big band, and one one of my one of my favorite favorite composers and arrangers in jazz history. Uh, you know, uh, and then from there, it's like you know, and through the nineties, two thousands, and such. You know, all along the way, I'm picking up on cats like Chick Corea, and listening to you know all these recordings, all this stuff, transcribing either mentally or at times physically. Uh, but more just just practicing it. I was one of these kids who, when I was growing up, I figured out how to play a trombone in part by watching the television and hearing the commercials and figuring out what key the commercial was in. Right, yeah. And then after a while, I could do that. Next thing you know, I'm playing along with TV show themes and such, like Gunsmoke or Mannix or, you yeah. know, uh, all, this, all this stuff. Um, and it was all a part of, the, of my – it helped me to uh, develop an understanding and a conception – but, um, you know, from there, it's like I listen to everybody. I still listen a lot. I mean, as of late, since Master Chick Corea just passed, uh, there's still these volumes of work that are coming out, including he had just finished uh, recently. And I talk about working to the very end. He finished a trombone concerto for Joseph Alessi with the New York Phil. Oh, They're wow. going to be premiering it. They say, I think, uh, next month in Brazil. And I'm thinking, Wonderful. that's fantastic, but why Brazil? <laughs> Brazil's, Brazil's not the place you wouldn't necessarily be right about now as far as COVID goes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that shit's yeah. blowing up over there. All these variants. So who knows what'll happen? But, you know, I mean, that for those, for those things like that, I, I, um, I have so many influences that I listen to now. It's like, I don't have one favorite musician. I have numerous favorite musicians for a time period, for a moment, for a thought, for a, you know, you know, it's a rainy day outside. Hey, Karen Carpenter would be good right about now. She's one of my favorites. I think I'll play rainy days and Mondays. She's yeah, a great singer. It, you know? Yeah. I think so, that's I one mean, of, it's like this huge. I think that's one of the hardest things to, 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 to even explain to somebody sometimes, you know, especially uh, when you're trying to teach mm-hmm. that to, to students and you're trying to explain it and tell them, Hey, you know what? Because uh, some of the kids are, oh, I don't like that music. Oh, I, I can't hear that music. And it's like, it's not about liking or hearing it. It's about appreciating 
And and I think uh, that's one of the most important things that, that I tell people, you know, I, I can't just say that I'm going to listen to this one artist all day, every day. It's impossible. My 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 brain, my mind won't won't be able to take it. You know, it's like we have to change, and and as time yeah. changes, even our listening changes, and everything that we do, you know. And I, that's what I told my students at, at times. It's like, um, it's a it's a it's a never ending education when you when it comes to listening and influences, especially as a musician. Yeah, and it, it doesn't stop. Yeah. And in my, I mean, in, in my experience, the, the older I get, the more I understand musically. Uh, and, yeah. and, it's, and, and sometimes, and it's funny because sometimes it feels like it happens from day to day. Uh, yeah. uh, from, from one day to the next, I'll wake up and something will click in my mind and, and it, it, everything becomes clear all of a sudden yeah. of, uh, with something that I would, that was totally mysterious to me 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, so it, yeah. It is never ending. It's a, it's it's a never like, ending search. Uh, for me, back in 1985 or so, um, no, as like 1988, um, I got a chance to play with Dizzy Gillespie. So he came down to San Antonio and we actually rehearsed with him, went through some of his charts, and then we went and we played the, uh, the National Association of Jazz Educators Convention up in Dallas. Mm. And then got stuck afterwards in an ice storm. <laughs> so we literally didn't leave Dallas for like about three or four days. Oh, man. And the ice storm in Dallas is dangerous. Oh, yeah. Which is why <laughs> we didn't leave for about three or four days. But we're in Dallas, so, you know. Yeah. But uh, but Dizzy actually said, the more I know, that's like the less, it's like the more I learn, it's like the less I know. He, he actually came at one point and said to an effect that I could be old as Methuselah and still not know everything there is to know about this music. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's that's one of the things that I have found, especially from in my experience of working with with musicians. It's it's just that we always seek the 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 knowledge. You know, we try to grow, we try to learn, we try to do whether we perform, whether we teach, whether we conduct, whether we uh, compose, arrange, produce, uh, dance, play, sing. You know multiple outlets but the thing is was that we always come back to this thing that we are in the process of our growth i find the most wizened and seasoned musicians and the ones who have really been out there and have done this for a long time come back and they say man i'm just getting started yeah yeah i'm just i'm just starting to get a grasp with this now now i want to be able to do this and for me it's like having come back in particular from what i do with covid now my goals are to play even better than before but also compose more I've got a new etude book that I've just actually finished the final etude. It's nice. blues in all 12 keys for a bass trombone and tuba. And the, the, the level of difficulty on this one is grade three to grade 25. Because there's a couple of things on there where I'm doing literally six and a half octaves. All I did was I went ahead and I played the blues in all 12 keys, did a little backing track thing on it, and transcribed my solos. But I do it in all 12 keys and in slightly different styles and such. The next step now is being able to go ahead and put it into a format to where I can go ahead and have backing tracks, where I also can, I can demonstrate this stuff. And then I also have the backing track set up so I can go ahead and sync that with it so people can check that out. And then they can practice them and then sound like me on a bass trombone, <laughs> which, will be, which will be crazy because then it's like, cool. Welcome. I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and go on a tuba now that we got all these jazz bass trombones. You guys go ahead. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, trying to sound like you is a lifelong pursuit, Ron. Well, I mean, the, the thing the thing more so is that it's giving them something more that maybe they haven't seen before. Yeah. It's that, giving, well, it's passing and, on knowledge. Well, and and, and when uh, you hear when you hear a player such as yourself, it definitely broadens your your horizons. It broadens your yeah. your uh, your scope of uh, and uh, of your ear. I mean, it it makes your ear aware of what's possible on the instrument, what's possible yeah. musically, and that's how that's how we all learn. Uh, we all learn by listening to things that we've heard over the, the span of our lifetimes and sure. and re kind of regurgitating it in a way so that we find our own voice when we play our instrument. Yeah. Um, so let me, let me throw this one your way real quick, because I want to get back to your earlier question to me, which sure, was about please. the top three gigs, even though I threw in the extra one about the gig down in Nuevo Laredo. That's okay. my favorite. Yeah, that's okay. So that's not number one. Oh, okay. Okay. That's not that's number one. one. Okay. That's one of them. That's one of them. The other one, as I was mentioning earlier, was uh, playing Mr. He's 90th birthday party over Jazz Lincoln Center with his big band and all these incredible musicians who were all there to pay tribute and love to to the master, the maestro. The other gig was um, the first time I played in the backing band for Aretha Franklin. Okay. And I had just gotten off the road in 1981 uh, with Clark Terry and his big band. And I was back at North Texas for the summer session. I should have stayed in New York, but I said, no, I'm going to come back so I can go ahead and keep finishing my degree because that's how I was raised. There, there you go. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. But even with that said, I should have stayed in New York. But nonetheless, <laughs> I came back and um, I'm at North Texas there. And my, my, one of my dearest friends in the world, my brother from another mother, Sam Johnson, who uh, he and I were at North Texas together. He showed up in around the late 70s or so. And I had been there since about 76 77. Um, and we were both like hanging out and listening to jazz and such. And he got a call from a friend and said, man, I, we need a horn section. Uh, we got, we're going to be playing this gig over the Budweiser for the Budweiser Superfest, this big music festival they had up at the Cotton Bowl at the time. Stevie Wonder was the headliner. Mm. You know, Aretha Franklin was the warm up for Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. And then the warm up for Stevie Wonder for Aretha Franklin was Quincy Jones and his new band with Pat with um, Patty Austin and James Ingram. Mm. Remember One Hundred Ways, right? Yeah, of course, love her today, find One Hundred Ways. You know, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was that was big. That was the big. huge hit, huge, huge hit. hit. And before before that, I think it was the Pointer Sisters. It was like the warm up act for Quincy. And it was just like this incredible thing. So I'm back there and I'm hanging out and I, we get to meet Aretha. And that was just, she was so nice at the rehearsal. She was just really appreciative. She dug the band. Uh, she liked the fact that there were some brothers in it. That's how I got the, I got the gig, admit it. Yes, yeah. This, yeah. sometimes yeah. this does work. Beautiful. So it was, it was just like being able to, you know, uh, be a part of something much greater than, than myself. And of course that kind of gave me some bragging rights too, because I played with Aretha Franklin. Well, no, yeah, that's, that's something that is very but, hard to, but then hard to accomplish. But the gig that was on top of that, which is probably the best gig I can really think of that I've ever played to this day was when I got to play her 70s, I believe it was her 76 or 77th birthday party. She rented out the lower part of, um, 
I think it was the Lowe's Anatole Hotel in New York. It's one of the really big ones right there by Central Park. It's lower Central Park. Okay. Uh, you know, between that whole area from Columbus Circle uh, for 59th, going all the way east, right in there. There uh, is Central, like Park, the most, Central Park South. Central Park South. That right. is some of the most expensive real estate in the world. There's a Trump, uh, go, the Trump, Trump Tower is down there, and also the Seasons, I believe. The Seasons is there. I mean, right. just so much history, of course. Um, for me, it was the Apple Store, but you know, that's a <laughs> yeah, it's there. That's the only reason we would go down there. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, aside from the occasional gig over at like the Rainbow Room or at like you know some place like that. Uh, yeah, at at uh, at at, uh, at the Rock. Yeah, Rock yeah, at the Rock. You dig right. exactly. Yeah. NBC exactly. Studios. There it is. So here I was. It was probably about four years ago, and here I was. I got called by uh, John Lee, who's the director of the Dizzy Gillespie All Star Big Band and uh, the whole Dizzy Gillespie Enterprise, mass ensembles and the music and the library, etc. He was also Dizzy's bassist for for many years. Uh, great electric bass player and plays electric bass on my new album. Wonderful. Yeah, got some legends on that shit. I can't wait so, to hear that. It's coming. It's coming. At this point right now, I think we should have everything together. It should be out by May. Beautiful. Yeah. Just in time for spring. That's right. And more allergies from the Central Texas. Thank you. <laughs> but John calls me up and says, listen, man, Aretha loves bebop. She loved Dizzy Gillespie and she loved the band and such. We're going to play for her birthday party over here. She's rented out the whole lobby and lower level of this, of the, no, it was the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> she rented the whole thing out for like three and a half, four hours. Oh my god! And brought us in as the band to play the show. And then she also brought in Manhattan Transfer because she loves Manhattan Transfer and those cats. Wow! So yeah. she's having this party and she comes in and she's the, she's just the queen. What year was this? Uh, let's see. This had to be 2016. No, 2017. Wow. Oh, it was recent. Oh, that was very the, right recent. before. Yeah, yeah, very recent. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's twenty. I think it actually might have been twenty six. No, it's twenty seventeen. I'm pretty sure because she passed away soon after. You know, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. You, that's man, what a blessing! Wow. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I'm up there with the cats on the band. We're playing and such, and we got this killer little horn section. And then John said, "Man, you're going to be singing. You need to sing." So Aretha needs to hear you sing. So I got to go ahead and sing. Uh, like Moody's Mood for Love to her and, uh -huh. and uh, Lush Life because she likes, she loves that stuff. And she comes, oh, up, she comes up afterwards and, yeah, she comes up afterwards give me a squeeze on the hand, little wing and says, you sure do sing good. Oh, <laughs> oh sweet. Oh, yeah, so if I'm only 30 years older, <laughs> oh, <laughs> take me man. now. The Queen of Soul. Just, that's, oh, wow. That's a memory. Wow. And what, so, did that, what did that feel like, Ron, to hear that from the Queen of Soul? There's no amount of electricity that I can imagine that would feel the same way going through my body. I, it's like, man, if that happened to it me, was just like, like, I, I, I would have cried or some shit. Well, I, I couldn't <laughs> cry because I was on a gig. <laughs> I had to sing another professional. song. <laughs> You're a professional. You're a professional. And then, and then we did that one, and here's Reverend Jesse Jackson coming up to me and saying, hey, man, can you guys go ahead and do moaning? <laughs> oh, yeah, he wants to hear some Bobby Timmons, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and it's like I'm just all these illuminaries, movie stars, politicos. I mean, they're all just there. To, and she's having a private party for her with her people, and this was the music she wanted. Yeah, that lady, that lady knew jazz. She loved it. 
she she absolutely she dug Diz. She thought Dizzy Gillespie was just the king and the tops, you know. Well, he was. Well, yeah. he was, but she was the queen. You know, she was the queen. She was the queen. So that's uh, to this to this moment in time, and yet I can still think of about at least a half dozen other gigs, like the um, the time I played with Ray Charles over at San Antonio Convention Center. We actually went in and rehearsed with him, did a performance over there at the convention center. I had no idea he could play alto sax. Everybody knows him for his organ, his piano, his singing, his compositions, his the, right. you know. And then of course, then uh, here he is after he passed away, and Jamie Foxx comes out and wins an Oscar for Ray. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got Wait to see these. So who could play Alton Sacks again? Ray Charles. Wow. Ray Charles. Yeah, actually, that, one of his new, early instruments. to me. Yeah. He actually, he actually sounded great on it, too. <laughs> yeah. He was swinging. He was swinging. Got up there. His, 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 uh, his official aide came up and brought him the sax. He's like checking it out. Make sure everything works. Because you better make sure everything works because it's Ray. Because if you don't make everything work, you ain't working. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh I mean, that was cool. And I'm hanging out in the section and who's playing lead and the guy playing lead next to me, trombone, was John Allred. Oh, I love just, John. Oh, John's just, just, and he was the sweetest cat, man. We had a blast. He stood up, got a couple of solos in. I didn't get any solos, but I didn't want to because after listening to John, it's like, what am I going to say? <laughs> yeah, he's he's down in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Him, him and his dad. His dad's a beast trombone player as well. Bill Allred. I've never, I've never heard his dad, but, uh, but John, uh, John Allred for, for any trombone or jazz aficionado, you need to check him out. John Allred is a great player. Fantastic player. And yes, we all have YouTube now, so there's no excuse or escape. As I That's tell right. my college students, because I'm teaching, uh, one of my grad students is, uh, in Latin music studies. So we're working on salsa and we actually have gotten everywhere from working on tunes like Sabor to Delirio to, oh. uh, yeah, he's working. Delirio is his, his main piece for this semester. Oh, my goodness. So we're studying all of these different versions of Delirio. That's wonderful. And, uh, love, and then, of course, I love the, that song. And for the Afro, Afro-Cuban Afro uh, influence, as far as salsa goes, got to do Manteca. I might, I might have to write something for your ensemble, Ron. Yeah, listen. No, it's not my ensemble. The guy who runs it is Professor John Lopez. He's the guy who's actually put together the whole Latin music studies program there at Texas State and has turned it into an undergrad as well as a graduate level degree program. We have applicants from Venezuela and Colombia who want to come and, and study. Wonderful. And these guys these guys are great musicians, but they're like going, we want to get this American experience there too. And it's Definitely. like, come on in. And, that, and that's a great school to go to. Oh yeah, it is. It's a fantastic school. I am so very, very honored to be a part of that faculty working with the jazz cats as well as with the classical guys, as well as with the Latin music studies. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm passing it on as well for you, Jess. Uh, tell the guys there in Laredo that even though we probably pretty much sent out for our scholarships for this semester, our applicants and such, applications will be starting up again by around November okay. of 2021. So if you got some kids there who, you know, in the high school programs that are pretty good and have got not only all state chops, but actually know how to play all 12 major scales. Yeah. All right. And yeah, no, we, they, we would we would love to we would love for them to come and audition for us. We've got an outstanding faculty of of of, of educators and performing artists and teachers and scholars, and it's a stellar stellar group. When I was teaching at UTSA, after I finished my master's degree at Texas State, I went back to UTSA and said, "I want to go back and teach at, at Texas State." <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, and the last thing to go back to the beginning of where we were, we were talking about Jack Teagard and George. So Jack, I'm over there yeah. at the landing and I'm hanging out with uh, Kyle and Polly over there from playing at Jim Cullum's place. And the buzz stirs in the place. Jack Teagarden's widow showed up. Wow. She showed up all like 80 some odd years of her to hang out and listen to Jim's band play. Jeez. And I had, I had to go and meet her afterwards with some of the other people that with a, like we were playing outside while Jim and the guys were inside, but we come in on the break and get a chance to talk to her a little bit. And just, I mean, I, between, between meeting her and uh, meeting the great Doc Cheatham, who yeah. at the time was 99 years old and still playing, playing up a storm on trumpet. Um, or Milt Hinton, the judge, the great bassist. Right. Uh, I, I have been surrounded by so much incredible music. And uh, uh, the part of it is just having the, the gift and the talent. But then it's, it's the more so than any of that, it's desire, it's motivation. That's what got me out of the hospital bed when it was time to wake up and, and start getting better. That's what's going to get me going when I'm hiking up and around Pikes Peak or around Colorado Springs uh, that first week of April after I play at the Conference of World Affairs with Ernie Watts. And, and that's coming uh, up That's coming up when again? That's going to be uh, that's April 5th. April 5th. That's April 5th. So, uh, yeah, it is. Unfortunately, I just, I just got a call for an Easter gig for the 4th that Sunday, and I can't yeah. do it because I'm in Colorado. <laughs> You're going to be in Colorado, but that's, yeah. But Colorado is a beautiful place to be. It really is. And as long as everybody's wearing a mask, I'm cool. You know, I'm, I got I got vaccinated. I hope every I hope you guys get vaccinated if you haven't yet, sooner yeah, than later. Yeah, yeah. I'm already the way halfway it looks there. after the yeah. I'm Say again, there. Jesse. I'm halfway there. I'm I'm missing my second dose, so halfway there. Awesome, man. Awesome. When's your next shot? Um, uh, two Saturdays. Not this. Not tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two Saturdays. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Good. Pfizer, Moderna, or otherwise. Uh, yeah, Pfizer. And I got the Pfizer vaccine as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How'd you do on the first one? Knocked me out the next day, man. I was knocked out. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I didn't think. I didn't think anything of it. You know, the first day mm -hmm. I got it on a Saturday morning. You know, sore arm like anything else. Sure. But, uh, then the next day I woke up fine. It wasn't until about noon that day. I just, you know, real groggy, real, you sure. know, tired, tired, feeling and groggy, tired. Knocked yeah. me out. I mean, it was just I couldn't even open up my eyes. And then the, the following day, like nothing happened, you know? So, yeah. 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 Your body had to go ahead and build up the antibodies and adjust to it. So you have a healthy immune system. Yeah. I, I, I because it, it definitely kicked in. <laughs> yeah. And mine, mine kind of did the same thing to me. There's about a tw uh, 48 to 62 hour period for me where I was like, I went from down here after the first shot and then back up again. The second shot, 26 hours later, I was good. I was good. And no arm soreness the second one. So if you had that kind of reaction on the first one, the, from what I'm reading on this one, odds are is that you probably won't have as much of a reaction on the second one. I hope not. No, <laughs> I'm no, expecting I know, it, but, it, but I hope not, you know. Yeah, of course. And, and you won't know until, you know, but uh, just from being a part of so many different COVID survivor pages that I've read and seen on social media, as well as being able to contribute to so many interviews on this stuff, um, you know, the way that this, uh, the way that this thing has gone with, um, with this virus and to see how the scientists, despite so many obstacles came up with vaccines within a nine month period of, of the, incredible. 
It's 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 unheard of, yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable. When, and when, when, and the when normally is that, it, when normally yeah. it takes ten years. Normally it takes ten yeah. years. To come absolutely, up with a vaccination. absolutely. Yeah. It's it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and, and you know, and yet you know, I still get concerned when I see people who are now saying, "Okay, we got the vaccine, so let's just open things up and let's make sure everybody can go ahead and get back to work." And it's like, no, this thing ain't over yet. Yeah, I gotta take if, it. If we slowly. can, if we can, if we can do this by July fourth, and at least that means that George, I can come back up to New York and hang out with you guys with enough people around and not wear a mask, and we can have a Lone Star and Barbacoa. There it is. I can't uh-huh. wait. I can't. I That's can't it, wait man. to do it. I can't wait uh-huh. to do that. I can't wait for you to come back up here. We had, I've had Ron over here at my place several times in Queens and Astoria, Queens. At yeah, our, man. At our compound out here, we got a huge yard and a nice little studio, and, and we got. We've had barbecues and some carne asadas with some cold beer. Yeah, man. Some and, uh, listening to KXTN on the radio. That's oh. it. <laughs> Los hombres tejanos. <laughs> the San Antonio so, special. That's it, man. That's it. So, and of course, so, you know, it's it's not real until George broke out the Lone Star. Then it's like, okay. This shit is yeah. on. Now we're hanging out. We got Lone Stars. George has got. He's all working the grill. This is getting right over here. Everybody's hanging out. Uh, the 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 neighborhood, the group there who in the apartment there, they're hanging out. They got the little pool over here on the side. And it's not a little pool. It's kind of big. Yeah. Like, is it still there, or did they typically they no, break that? No, but now we got a trampoline back there. A big trampoline. Wow. Yeah, we cool. changed out the pool for it and put a big trampoline on there, and it's beautiful. Yeah, man, nice. that's fantastic. I tell you, when when the time comes for me to move back up there, I want to move to that building, that complex you guys are in. Those apartments, that is so hip. They've got the, they have the the Yoda of of apartment uh, landlords, dude. He's he's, (laughs) oh, our super, super, super. Uh, the Yoda of of supers. He is like, and 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 you know what that guy did for for as a career for like twenty some years. He was a, a music therapist. Wow. He, he played saxophone and flute and clarinet and he worked at a uh, at a retirement home up here in Brooklyn and uh, that was his everyday job and he you know and he's 9 to 5 and he went in there and he played the saxophone and the flute and he conducted yeah. a little choir there for for the folks that were at the nursing home and that's why that's that's why he's so uh, Yoda, you know. Yeah, he is. He is like he was one of the coolest cats I ever met. It was just like the 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 Zen hang was on. Yeah, and it's like you know my Spanish is like you know, yeah, so so at best as of as of late coming from New York again, it's almost non-existent. But uh, but the thing was was that I'm hanging out with like it was just like a whole like a United Nations cultural scene, and everybody's hanging out, everybody's speaking the same language and different languages, and it's all the same vibe. It was well, so yeah. hip. I was waiting had, for us to break out. The, I was waiting for us to break out the gear, and man, if if Yayo was there, we would have gotten stupid. Oh yeah, well, we, we had gotten... Chilenos because there's there's Chilean mm-hmm. people that live here, Chilenos and uh, Mexicanos and uh, Venezolanos, people from all over the place. It's a good hang. And yeah, Ron. Before we end, I there's two there's two quick things. Two two quick things. Two more. Short, <laughs> short answers. Short answers. Short answers. The first thing is, um, what would you tell? What What would you say to any uh, young, aspiring musician 
whether they're like in high school or, 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 or early college age, uh, age mm-hmm. who's thinking about becoming a professional musician, uh, a, a professional uh, performing musician, performing slash producer, writing, you know, everything that comes along with being a commercial musician? Um, for one, uh, you should know your instrument. You should know your instrument well enough to be able to play not only basic music or some covers, but also you should be also looking towards composing. You should be able to write music as well. Get your ideas either on Finale or Sibelius or whatever, or heck, just pull out the manuscript paper and learn how to do, you know, shorthand again. Um, You should also at least understand about the music business. So you should take a business course. Because if you're going to get into this business, you have to understand about the various avenues that are there in it and the ways that you can go ahead and at least be financially viable, taking care of yourself more than so than than anything else. Thank you. Um, And for lack of a better way to put it, I guess the most important thing is that you got to believe in yourself. Because this is one of those businesses that you hear about from time and time again. How many times have you guys heard from one guy or another or one woman or another like that? Well, I can't stay with this person anymore because they don't want me to keep doing my music because they don't think that it's going to go anywhere. Or you heard somebody say, well, my, my dad thinks that this is this. I can't make a living at this. And uh, and he wants me to work over here in the oil fields or do this and that. Or I mean, I, I've heard tons of stories. Well, my dad's my, you know. My dad's a military officer, and he wants me to go ahead and be a military officer like him. There's no place for a trombone and an F-16. I said, it's an instrument of creation, not construction. You won't need an F-16 to fly a trombone, dude. Right. Right. So you you hear that. You might hear that. You might actually hear words of encouragement and such. Sometimes you might hear enough words of encouragement where you can take it and misconstrue it to think that it's more than what it is. But you gotta you got to believe in yourself, and that's being true to yourself. It's understanding that if this really something that you want to do, then come hell, high water or otherwise, or the next pandemic, you're going to find a way to do it. Right. You're going to find a way to do it. I mean, we all know people who have suffered from this. We know people who know people who have died. We might have someone who has passed away who was close to us that we knew, family, friend, otherwise. But the real tragedies have also been within our labor market itself because as working musicians and artists even if you're a band director you've had to feel some of the pinch just because the fact is you couldn't go and teach in school anymore mm-hmm. all of a sudden here it was in march what happened by what happened by around early march not mid-march no more school everybody's going virtual right bye get out we got to sterilize everything mm-hmm. and um it um you know, it it uh, it's it's led to a huge level of stress, anxiety, depression. The level of mental illness now in this country is probably higher than it's ever been. You know, um, and and we we needed to have people who were competent enough to deal with it when it first happened, and we didn't. Right. And because of that, that really set us back a lot. Because we should have been at the forefront, as this country is known for doing. We should have been ahead of the curve, not behind it, not trying to make excuses of it or say it's going to go away like some fucking miracle. Indeed. It's bullshit. Total bullshit, smokescreen, blah, blah, blah. And yet, oh, my God, you lost the election. No, you didn't. (laughs) Cue, 
Q who? Oh, Quincy Jones? No, not that Q. The other Q. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, but uh, but you know, I mean, I I um. I, we could go on. We could go on for a long time with all this stuff, guys. But for one, I if George is going to keep drinking, I need to go downstairs and get a drink. <laughs> and then it's a long night. Uh, yeah. no, no, but well, as okay. is, uh, I'm going to let you cats go. Great. Go ahead. Great. You got one more thing, George? One one more thing, Ron. One of us. How can we... Uh, uh, how can we find uh, more info about everything Ron Wilkins? Well, ronwilkins.net is still up. I haven't done any updates on it since before I got COVID. Um, so it's time to update and do some more stuff on that. You can still find me on YouTube at Mr. Ron Wilkins. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Um, just look up Ron Wilkins. All right. And you got a new uh, my album? Website is, my website is ronwilkins.net. Uh, the new album coming out is called Ron Wilkins Trombocalist. It's got 10 tunes on it, five of which are originals, two of which were contributed by the lovely and talented Becca Patterson on bass trombone and compositions. And, um, and I'm singing about half the time on this one. And the producers on it are pretty much talking to me about the next album is going to be all vocals. Wonderful. All vocals. So it's like, hey, time to get out there and sing. There you go. And to all our, and listeners, I, to all our listeners, so, this is the man, yeah. the myth, the legend, Mr. Ron Wilkins. I want to thank you for being with us tonight and, and, and spending the time here with us. And I mean, like you said, we could go on forever with this. And, and it's amazing, amazing stories. I mean, some stuff that, wow, you know, I, I know a lot of people are going to be appreciating this. And, you know, especially. Thank you. You know, uh, I mean, uh, again, I, I we 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 thank you for for being here with us tonight, and, and I'm glad George brought you down and brought right, you right. onto this. And um, yeah, thanks, man, George. Looking, looking forward wow. to your album, Primo, Primo, <laughs> Ron. Thank, thank you. you. I'm looking thank, forward thank to it too. It's got some great stuff on it. And, thank you. Um, uh, but I'm, what a pleasure! It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure indeed. Um, I like those bones that you got back there in the background. Shires, baby. What, what, would you would you mind playing a, a few bars or something? Um, Is it too late? Yeah, you know what? It's Friday night. It's ten o'clock. Give me a second. Let me, uh, <laughs> let, me, let, me uh, let me just let me just give you guys a quick taste. I'll just, just pull quick. Out, I'll just pull out the bass here real quick. There you go. Uh, Ah, this is one of my favorites. So, uh, for Los Homeboys, let me know if this is too loud or soft or what. That's good. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adjust me down a little bit over here because it's kind of yeah. hot. Okay. All right, guys. So, in a way of saying thanks to everybody and thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. Much appreciated. Jesse, let's hang out and talk. You, you know how to reach me. All right, man. All right, you do. And George, I love you like a brother, your mother. I love you too, man. Thank you Thank very you much, man. My pleasure. So, name that tune. Ugh. <laughs> Thank you.
Sabor Bravo. a mí. Sabor yeah, a ti, baby. Yeah, Bravo. For Mr. Mr. Ron Wilkins, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I had a blast. Uh, Always a pleasure. You. Always a, a pleasure coming down memory lane with you cats. Thank you. Sorry. Likewise. Okay. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to see you again soon. Uh, I might get, be get your ass to Austin. I'll be down in I'll, I'll be down in Austin in the summer. I'll hit you up and let you know. And uh, and by that time we could, by that time we could do a gig, George. That's right. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. You say that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, no, dude, bring the accordion. We'll do some busking. We'll work this shit. I'll do whatever, man. I'll take both horns. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. Fantastic. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, everybody, thank you for joining us once again. And uh, uh, from uh, from me and Jesse Regalado, thank you for joining us. See you next time. See Hasta guys. luego. Bye-bye.